Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. What's going on, everybody? It's Johnny King, and I'm here with a very special guest, Mr. Jim Myers. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. If you are watching the video, you see part of a very large Sasquatch, Bigfoot behind us. We are in the Sasquatch outpost of Bailey, Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, about an hour from my home in downtown Denver, and we are literally sitting in the middle of the, the Sasquatch Museum, Bigfoot Museum. That's right. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me out. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> if you've listened to uh, any of my episodes of my podcast, you've probably heard me talk about aliens, Bigfoot, and you might think I'm crazy for <laughs> believing in both. Um, but it's interesting that people <clears throat> that I talk to oftentimes believe more in aliens than they do in Bigfoot. That's uh, That would probably be a true statement. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I love I love what I'm sitting in. I want to spend another couple hours in here because I, <laughs> I really am. I've all my friends laugh at me because I've watched a lot of documentaries mm-hmm. on Bigfoot, and I don't know why I believe so much. Other than I've seen enough of it's the science to me that has proven. Sure. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not myth and legend. There's science behind this. That's that's the part that amazes me that so many people don't believe when there's so much evidence out there for their existence what uh for instance what is some some of the science that has convinced you or maybe talk a little bit more about how you even got into this that got you to to begin believing to where we are now sitting in this museum well i it started with uh in 1972 with the movie the legend of boggy creek which was probably the first pseudo documentary ever made on bigfoot i'm pretty sure I went to see it, scared me to death. I was 10 years old. Um, and But it made me think. They never they never used the term Bigfoot. Um, they just called it the Boggy Creek Monster. But mm. that made me start thinking over the years, um, you know, with the development of the Internet, I could start researching. And But it's really when we moved here um, in, the, in 2000. Well, we moved to Colorado in 2009. We lived in Conifer for a while, moved here to Bailey really uh, because of this store. We started off as a grocery store, Hmm. mercantile. This was not in existence, this museum. This was a storeroom back here. Hmm. And um, but two two things happened. It took took us about nine months to rebuild the store so we could open. It was in such bad shape. So... um, the first thing that happened was I met the first Bigfoot eyewitness I'd ever met. And she she's a gal who used to run one of the lodges here in town. I heard about her through a mutual friend, and I was fascinated. I thought, I've got to talk to this gal. And so we got together for coffee. She told me her story. It was a sighting about probably three miles from here, um, late May evening, still daylight, two people both saw the Sasquatch. So the 
the possibility of mistaken identity was almost nil because they were they were both there. They both saw it. They both said the same thing that they'd seen a Bigfoot. And uh, so I was totally enthralled by her story because she was totally credible. I mean, there was nothing about her that was made me think she was a kook or high or anything like that. She's a business owner. And then the show Finding Bigfoot came here to Bailey, largely on her story, but other stories as well. And they did an episode. So I went to that filming, was in the audience, heard about six, seven, maybe more testimonies of people, 110 people at this meeting. Wow. I don't know where they came from. I didn't ever saw any advertising for the show. Um, and I'm sitting there listening to these stories and I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of activity in this area. So I talked to my wife and, uh, I said, you know, why don't we, we've got the grocery store and everything. Why don't we turn this room that we're sitting into, um, into a, we'll, we'll put a map on the wall and we'll start talking to people if they have any Bigfoot sightings. Yeah, yeah. Well, that just took off. After two years, we realized we, we were going to starve to death trying to sell groceries. So we axed the groceries and the the name of the store at the time was Bailey Country Store and Sasquatch Outpost. So we just took off the first part and just kept the Sasquatch Outpost. And we've just gone, you know, from from strength to strength because this country is infatuated with Bigfoot. Yeah. I mean, people come from all over the country, yeah. really, to come here. And I would say um, we would never have anticipated this developing the way it has with the museum. And I think we've had the, we've had the museum since 2016. I think we've had 30, 35,000 people come through here in a little town like Bailey, which is a lot of people. So there's a huge interest. Is there any other place in the United States that is another Mecca like this? Um, Yeah, probably up in, Washington, Oregon, because that's where everyone assumes Bigfoot lives, is the Pacific Northwest. But there's been sightings in every state in the continental U.S. So, And I've just heard uh, of something in Hawaii, of people seeing something in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So um, that that surprised me. Um, But, yeah, every every state's had sightings, Mm -hmm. and there's probably as many sightings on the eastern seaboard and – and deep south as there are in the northwest. And so it's not like everyone that sees Bigfoot is in the northwest. But there's a museum. There's probably, now there's probably six more museums that are pretty much dedicated towards Sasquatch. There's other museums that are cryptid museums that include Bigfoot, but among all the other cryptids, Mm -hmm. I don't include those in that (laughs) Bigfoot museum category. Um, But yeah, it's... uh, all I can say is this country, everybody, just look at cable TV and how many Bigfoot shows are on at any given time. Mm-hmm. Documentaries, movies, you know. So, yeah, there's a huge interest. Well, I'm, I'm curious because when I talk to people who who attempt to poo-poo the, the whole idea, um, they're like, well, show me a body. Sure. Or show me, uh, I mean, you, I guess the question is like, where's where's the, the hard evidence? Although, yes, there's foot castings or, right you know print castings well, what do you know in terms of whether it be you know other other things that are pretty tangible results? well i think i think 
footprints are hard evidence. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, unless you have people that spend their entire lives running around the forest making footprints, yeah. you know, there's, there's thousands of tracks that have been cast by people. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, the evidence is overwhelming and, and the tracks all have similar morphology. So, um, there's, there's, all, there's differences between them, but to me, a good Bigfoot track is almost as good as seeing a Bigfoot because they're, it's such a, a, a strong piece of scientific evidence. Um, vocalizations that have no explanation, that there's thousands of recordings of vocalizations, uh, not to mention probably 50 or 60,000 eyewitness testimonies now um, going back into the 1700s. So there's no other cryptid as studied, as researched, as, you know, as Sasquatch, as mm. Bigfoot. But I think DNA is probably, there was a DNA study done in 13 or 14 called the Ketchum study or the Sasquatch Genome Project. Yep. And the project has been greatly criticized because of some errors, I think, that Melba Ketchum made in in how she presented the study, but you can't argue with the DNA evidence that all these labs came up with. And they all came up with this, with the same. So there were, there were 111 samples submitted to this study from around the country of blood, saliva, hair, and some tissue, mm -hmm. all thought to be Sasquatch. The labs were not told they were just asked to do DNA, mm -hmm. full DNA spectrum on these. So, um, three of the samples came from eyewitness. So people watched the samples being given. They knew that was Sasquatch. And there were three different places in the country. And all three of those samples agreed with each other in the DNA. Basically, the mitochondrial DNA was human. The female side, the male side was unknown. Hmm. All three of those base samples, I would call it, agreed with each other. And many of the other samples agreed with those three base samples. But um, it, it seems from that study, and I don't know of another large, that was almost a half million dollar study. I don't know of another large study of that nature that's been done. I've heard rumors of other DNA mm. testing, but I've not seen any anything written. But, you know, when the labs found out what they were supposedly analyzing, all of them, every lab, said, well, you contaminated your samples. That's why there's human and unknown. And they still didn't know what the unknown was. It wasn't in the genome database. So how many, how many pair, how many DNA samples do they have in there? Probably more than millions, probably billions now, but this unknown doesn't show up anywhere. So what are your, what's your analysis of that? Well, based on that evidence, that DNA evidence, Bigfoot is a human hybrid of some kind. Okay. They are like Neanderthal. Um, no, that there there had to, in my opinion, that the you find Bigfoot researchers um, divided into two camps largely. The apers is what I would call it. Those who would consider Bigfoot an ape, a right. Gigantopithecus descendant, right. and those who are more on the woo side, if I could use that, um, more of a hominid. Um, where Bigfoot is partially human, which explains a lot. If you go with the Gigantopithecus 
ape side, there's just too much about Bigfoot that you can't explain as an ape. Um, other than being hairy, they don't they don't walk like apes. Apes, you know, Sasquatch walks upright, lives in well, so do apes, but they live in in family groups. Mm-hmm. They have an actual language. Sasquatch has a language that's been studied. It's been by linguists and and verified that yes, this is a language. We don't we don't speak it, but there's even been a, a Bigfoot phonetic alphabet came up with by Scott um, Nelson, um, who was a Navy cryptolinguist. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's many differences in these camps, but if on the, on the woo side, you get into not only the hominid, they're more of a hominid, but the paranormal aspects of Sasquatch, which would be things like mind speak. Many people, I've not had this experience, but many people have talked about having something talking to them in their head mm. when they're out mm. in the woods um, where they actually, and there's a lot of people who I would call sensitive who carry on conversations with Sasquatch this way. Mm. Mind speak, uh, apparent healing powers. And I've, I've got several documented cases of people who were seriously terminally ill who were, they would say healed by a Bigfoot mm. dramatically mm. and remained healed mm. after that. Wow. Um, uh, orbs that accompany Sasquatch many times when people are, are out camping, whatever, and they encounter Sasquatch, the ability that Sasquatch seems to have, and, and I've got several documented cases of them disappearing, just vanishing in front of people's eyes and, how you know how do they do that um people who are of the ape camp would say well they would have to say they didn't vanish you know they they i don't know they ran away quickly they got they went behind a tree i don't know but these were literal just dematerialized into nothing and was gone and so um so there's a lot of aspects to sasquatch that go way beyond just a physical flesh and blood creature that we have yet to scientifically document. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more than that. Their intelligence alone, I would say rivals ours, if not surpasses our intelligence. Mm. So mm. have they found any bones, any skeletons? Any? Well, the, there's a lot of speculation about that. Um, you know, if you go to the, to the, um, uh, looking for conspiracies, you know, there's a lot of talk in the Bigfoot world that the government has bodies, has Sam, you know, maybe has a live Sasquatch, has studied the language, has people who can speak Sasquatch, all these things. Um, Why they would keep all that secret would be your guess as good as mine. I don't know. I don't know why. But um, why did they keep the UFO thing? under wraps as long as they did and now came out and declassified all that. So, um, but the, there've been people who have talked about finding bones or finding mounds started to dig into them and had strange things happen that caused them to put back what they found that they, they were so frightened by these experiences that, 
it was like desecrating a Native American burial ground and, you know, having things happen to you. Um, to my knowledge, no one has come forward with, well, there's in Tibet, I think it is, there's a skull cap of what they they say is a Sasquatch. And it looks, it's got a crest over the top and it's just the top of the skull with the hair still on it. And um, a hand, I think, uh, much larger than a human hand. So there is some evidence like that, but those are the exceptions. Mm. But no, people are not typically, there's there's reports of them being hit by cars and people seeing a body and then coming back a short time later and the body is gone, whether it revived or something came and took it, things like that. There's reports of people shooting them. Um, you know, so th- I think probably there's, there is a body out there or more than one body for reasons I'm not clear on that those, that evidence has not been brought forward. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked, I've talked with other researchers that if we ever found a body, um, the last people we're ever going to let know are the authorities. Yeah. We're going to get our own people to do all the analysis that we can do. Yeah you know, qualified people before it's discovered that we have a body because mm-hmm. we know it'll be taken. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. fascinating. Something I saw on a documentary that I wonder what your thoughts are on it. Like, again, some of the science, I'm like, that just makes a lot of sense with the, the casts, the footprints cast that I saw. One of the scientists that was being interviewed was saying, this is legit. Cause you can see where there's a, Mid tarsal break. Yes, thank you. Yeah. At, at like at the front, right? Under under the foot. Under well, the foot. the foot has a basically has a hinge that ours doesn't have a right. it a joint in the middle of the foot. Right. And you can see that in many of the tracks where there's a ridge in the actual Correct. middle of the foot. Yep. And obviously, we don't have that. What would the advantage be? Probably the ability to climb hillsides. You mm-hmm. know, just. To, gripping basically gripping with your foot Mm -hmm. that we can't do Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's fairly well documented um dr uh meldrum who works at the university of idaho i believe has extensively written on that topic the mid-tarsal break so i think that's fascinating that part fascinates me then another part is like that photo that's yeah the patterson gimlin patterson gimlin video and they're like, oh, it's a fake. But it's like, no, it's, it's, you know, how they watch him, his gait and how he picks up his legs, you know? The gait is totally different than ours. They call it the compliant compliant gait where she, she was a female, yeah. had breasts that bounced. If you're going to make a Sasquatch suit, which they didn't have the technology to do in 1968, why would you make a female? Yeah. Why would you go through that extra trouble, you yeah. know? Um, I have a friend who's who's a plastic surgeon knows the human body he's studied that film extensively he said um, she shows all the signs of being middle-aged having had several young based on the the fat where the fat deposits are on her body they were just there was no way for anyone to make a suit that could do what she did in that video Mm -hmm. and and the tracks she left which we have one copy of here um yeah but her gait is very different and humans just you can you can put on a suit try to imitate it there's people that have claimed that they were the ones wearing this suit you know Mm -hmm. which is 
nonsense because humans, one, she was six, seven feet, six inches tall. Yeah. So you'd have to have leg extensions, arm extensions, and walk normally and naturally, which right. a human couldn't do. Right. And uh, she had a an injury on her hip that looks to be a hematoma that moves with her. Um, again, why fake something like that, you right. know? And so, um, yeah, so she... I'm 100% convinced it was genuine. Um, there's, they've, since the, the, they know she's seven feet, six inches tall because objects that still exist today, they can triangulate her height yep. based on those objects. Yep. Um, her weight based on her footprints in the sand was somewhere around 900 pounds. So she was a big girl. See, it's, it's cool. And then, then, you know, again, what, whatever I saw when I, the one of documentaries was like, we as human beings are built for like efficiency, which is why we, right. our, our feet barely get off the ground, which is why we trip on little cracks right. and little roots where this is a, this is a being that, you know, a species that, like you said, kind of trounces through. Well, and they're, they're, bushes, and you so know, when high stepping, kind our, of. our leg, when we walk, the angle of our step is, is fairly low. When she walks as other Sasquatch that have been observed, their their foot comes almost up horizontally. Oh wow! Yep. And so they they you can see the bottom of her feet as she's walking away. You can't see the bottom of a person's foot right. in our normal gait. Right. We don't lift our foot that high. Right. So, and she walked in line, so um, one foot in front of the other, oh. which is often what we find with Sasquatch. Sometimes they're offset, but many times they're in line. I don't know why that is? Don't know. Fascinating, but that but those are the little things that start to convince me, like okay, you know, you can like ah, I don't, maybe you're just choosing to believe, maybe you're not. But when you start putting the pieces together yeah. from the the documentaries that I've seen, I'm like I don't know, man, like it's a lot. It's a lot to fake. I think more than anybody yeah. has the capability to fake, right. and so because there's so many sides of this that people who have been eating in one of our local restaurants. Um, heard someone at a table next to them talking about this store and this person said, yeah, I'm the one that goes out when, when Jim takes people out in the woods, I go out ahead of time and I'm the one knocking. It's not Sasquatch. And, and I thought, I wish I had been there because, um, you know, no one knows where I'm going, when I'm going, who I'm going with. That would be impossible for someone to get out ahead of me. Um, and so the, that kind of, claim that people are making that you know um yeah it's all faked and some of the things we've had happen in the woods people are like are you sure you don't have someone in the woods in a suit one i don't want to i don't have any friends i want to get shot and that's what would happen to them probably but two especially in the middle of the night who's going to go out in the woods at midnight and sit in the woods for an hour waiting for me to bring a group through you know it's just I wouldn't do it, yeah. you know. I mean, I don't have anybody that that likes me enough to do that, yeah. and that's just a stupid um, philosophy. I think that yeah. that's what's that's what's the cause of the vocalizations and the knocks sure. and everything. Sure. So, what have been some of your uh, favorite or most convincing experiences personally? Well, I've had a personally. I've had a sighting. I was um, fishing at Wellington Lake, which is about thirteen miles east of here. Early in the morning, it's a very big hotspot for Bigfoot sightings yeah. and vocalizations. And um, 
So I was out fishing early. We were camping there because it's a hot spot. And no one else in the camp area was awake as far as I could tell. So I'm I'm fishing and I just cast and I'm just looking around and there's some rocks. There's the, the castle, which is a huge rock mountain at one end of the lake, but the rocks kind of come around to the side. And I look up and there's this huge figure standing there looking down, uniform in color. I could tell it was very large. And where it was standing, I've been to that very spot and, and it was climbing up there on hands and knees. It was so steep to get to that spot. So I thought, there's no way there's a, a camper up there at this time of the morning. And it's huge. And right then a fish jerked on my line and I turned and I looked back and it was gone. I mean, it was that fast. It was just mm-hmm. faster than it could have walked back into the woods mm-hmm. because it was standing on the rocks probably 20, 30 yards from the nearest tree. There's no way I would have seen it walking back. It was just gone. Mm. Um, so I wish it had been closer. I'm still waiting for a an up-close encounter. Mm. Um, I hope I... I maintain my composure if that ever happens. But but I've we've had lots of experiences of them throwing things at us at night, throwing rocks or or tree branches hard. I mean they when they throw they throw very hard. Um, we've had them throw green pine cones. Um, one of my research associates wouldn't he was alone when this one happened, but. Um, he was going up to one of the gifting areas that we had at the time. We had a couple of different gifting areas and walking along the trail and he hears a pine cone fall in the forest. Well, squirrels are up there all the time, you know, dropping pine cones and them hiding them. So he looks up the tree to see where the squirrel is and he sees another pine cone coming over his head above the trees and hits the same tree and drops so he looks behind him. There's nothing that he can see. He looks up another one over his head three times in a row, hit the same tree, which was like three trees back in the woods. Same tree, bang, bang, bang. And I'm thinking, what kind of ability do you have to have to throw through all the trees high and hit the same tree three times in a row? Um, we've had lots of vocalizations. We've, we've heard them. Um, probably my favorite, uh, encounter happened in a weekend up in the Steamboat, Steamboat Springs area. And um, there were about, let's see, two, four, five of us, six of us camping. It uh, was in May, early May. So it snowed the first night. Nothing happened. There were no tracks. And we found that they tend to avoid fresh snow. That's just too obvious, you know. The second day, a lot of that snow melted around the campsite, melted on the road leading into the campsite. So that night, about two in the morning, I woke up and I could hear something walking up the trail very quietly. I could just hear crunch, long pause, crunch, came all the way up to the tent, was walking around the tent. Um, I woke my tent mate up who's had more experiences than anyone I've ever known. Mm -hmm. And he immediately, I was like, there's, they're out, they're out outside the tent and he goes oh good and he just falls back asleep I mean it was like it was nothing for him but um, but the ground was hard there were no tracks the next night um, it was muddy because things had continued to thaw and uh, we found we found a really good track we handprints on my truck 
that I could not I could not replicate in any way with my hands. They were the they, yeah they were larger, and the way that I don't know how they did it. Um, it looked one one print looked like the hand was backwards almost, um, and then something was pushing on the tent from outside about five in the morning and just kind of seeing if it met any resistance. I was too chicken to push back. Push back. Yeah. But um, and as it got lighter and lighter, I could see a shadow moving out there. But, you know, my coat was hanging on the wall of the tent and I could see my coat move out like this. And my tent mate woke up. I poked him with a stick to wake him up and he saw it pushing in. Um, then oh. someone started the vehicle in the campsite and it, but that's, that's how it was already light and it was standing outside my tent pushing on the tent. So mm-hmm. that was, and then that day, later that day, as we got ready to break camp, it was like eight thirty in the morning, we're having breakfast and all of a sudden we hear just over the rise, we can't see, we can hear voices, two voices loudly talking and then a scream. So we all stopped, kind of looked at each other like, did you hear that? And we all said, yeah. And then it did it again louder. Talk, talk, talk. And there was nobody out there. There was nobody camping near us. Mm-hmm. Talk, 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 talk. Scream, louder scream. So I took my recorder over close to where that happened and hung it in a tree. And then we went back to breaking camp. And we got, I have three different voices, a male voice, a female voice, and a and a a young female voice. We had no children with us in the camp. Probably 10 tree knocks, um, a strange laugh, all within the hour that we were breaking camp. So they were still there, whatever it was, assuming it was a Sasquatch. They were just beyond our view. They had moved a little farther away. You could hear the camp noises. I knew the noises of us talking, and but then you hear these other voices mm. farther away that are just... You can't understand what they're saying, but they're they're talking. Hmm. So uh, that was that was a very full weekend of activity. No sightings, but lots of activity around the campsite. In the again, in the documentaries that I've seen, in the eyewitnesses and the, and the recordings, like all I hear pretty much are like growlings mm-hmm. and you know rocks, rock clacking, know, yeah, and, and tree knocks and things being thrown, and you know a guy was like taking. <laughs> right off his feet by a huge branch mm. because he was out there by himself with some night vision. Um, but again, you get those things and, and you can always kind of explain them away sure. to some degree. So there's, there's the the active skeptic, I think of myself and a lot of people. And yet, like, like we talked about, there's so much that can't be really <laughs> right away. Well, so many of the vocalizations, the, the best example of vocalizations were done in the seventies by Ron Moorhead in the, in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Mm when he was hunting, I mean, they weren't going out there to look for Sasquatch. They had a hunting camp eight hours by horseback ride into the Sierras. Oh, wow. And That's these cute. Sasquatch would come to the camp every time they were there. And they finally had a reporter from a newspaper in LA, I believe that came in on a reel to reel made a recording of about 90 minutes of this. Hmm. And that was analyzed by, by a sound lab at the time. And they said this, due to the nature of the vocalizations, the the the, the decibels, they said that a human could not make these sounds. Mm. But they were talking. It was definite conversation. Mm. And and Ron and the other guys in the camp would 
try to mimic them. And the Sasquatch, over the years, initially the, the, the vocalizations were very aggressive, trying to, I think, move them away. Yeah. But as they got used to the humans, over the years, they they started being more playful and, and talking and waiting for the humans to reply. And they would say something and wait, and they would say the same thing again, and then the human ROM would mimic them, and then Sasquatch would go off on this long tirade. But it was definite words. They were talking to each other. There was more than one Sasquatch. Um, I've heard chatter that sounds like people talking probably five or six times out in the woods, and I expect to see someone come around the corner at any moment because it sounds like people. And there's nobody there. And I go around the corner, there's no one there. No one ever shows up. Um, but there was definite conversation going on, like you and I are hiking together, just talking on the trail. Right. But I don't, I can't understand the words, but I'm thinking, well, they're far enough away that I can't quite pick out what they're saying. Right. And then no one ever shows up. Hmm. I assume, uh, but maybe not rightfully so, that there's this, is this on YouTube? I mean, a lot of the, the chattering? Or is there, there's chatter it? on YouTube. There's a lot of chatter. Um, yeah, on YouTube mainly um, of vocalizations. There's, if you look up Sierra Sounds, you can find Ron's recordings. But there's lots and lots of screams, yells. Yeah. I mean, stuff that would make you want to, break camp and leave in the middle of the night. I mean, very sure. loud, fright, frightening kind of vocalizations, yeah. um, growling. You know, I've heard howls. I've heard barks. They bark like dogs sometimes, yeah. and yet they have a language and they speak. But we do the same thing. Right. We have we speak like this, but we go out in the woods and we make funny noises. And, you know, so yeah. – um, that that alone doesn't say anything to me about their level of intelligence. It just says they have a very varied um, vocabulary and, and type of vocalizations. And you can there's hundreds and hundreds of examples of that on online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit just about the, the tree twisting, the tree breaking. Yeah. We've um, got some examples of that um, right. here. Yeah. Um, this this example here, which you probably want to film later to add to your podcast, but yeah. um, this was that it was twisted off a tree this this big around green still growing yeah. was twisted off this way, not broken. What kind of strength do you have to have to twist a tree all the way off and just drop the top on the ground? Mm. Um, phenomenal. I don't think 10 guys could do that, right. could twist a tree this way. Right. We could break it and wrench it off, yes, mm-hmm. but that's not how that one was broken. Mm-hmm. But then the tree breaks that we find everywhere. I mean, literally, I have thousands of pictures of them where a tree is broken, usually twisted as it's being broken and left hanging. Right. And uh, every time I go out, every time I take people out, I find these trees. It doesn't matter where I go. Hmm. And they can be broken little ones like this, right. you know, all the way up to 10, 12 feet up, broken, same way, left hanging. I don't know of any natural explanation for that phenomenon of these trees always being broken the same way, mm-hmm. twisted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, arches, tree arches where I've seen trees that are, um, you know, six inches in diameter bent 
over and stuck in the ground five or six inches so that the arch stays there. This is a mile and a half into the woods. Why would anybody do that? How would you do that if you're a human? How would you bend a tree that big around? I've seen these 15 feet up bent and then stuck in the ground or stuck under a rock or a tree. And so it keeps the arch shape. No idea what that means, but I know that people couldn't do it. Right. Um, so their, their strength is phenomenal. And um, so we don't, I don't know of anyone who's ever observed a Sasquatch doing this, mm-hmm. but we can't think of any other, any other explanation of anything strong enough mm. that's in the woods to do these. We found sculptures of tree branches that are woven together in a way that wouldn't happen naturally where they're, uh, I've got, when I was hunting recently, as I was telling you about a, tr- a tree that's the, the trunk is about four feet off the ground and it goes up and it's woven through two or three other trees and it curves around like this wow. in among the aspens. And I'm like, there's no way that can happen naturally. Yeah. It would, it would fall. It would never fall curved and fall in between all these trees. Right. It's just impossible. It had to have been manipulated. It had to have been manipulated. Right. So that kind of thing is physical evidence that is everywhere, which tells me how many Sasquatch there are around right. here. Well, you walk around the corner and you were pointing out, which I had never heard of, just the, the horse braiding. Talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, this is a phenomenon that we, we don't understand, but it's been reported around the country where people who have their horses in pasture – um, usually remote pastures near woods. There's there's a pasture here in Bailey where I've had a horse have this happen, where you bring your horse in and their mane, starting at the neck, right at the base of the mane, there will be there will be two braids down, and then braided into one braid. Right. And quite intricate. Um. And but always two into one. And I've had so many people write to me online and say, well, I'll show pictures of these. And I'll say that I have horses. My horse's manes are like that. It's just, it's just horse, you know, the wind, them rolling in the dirt. I'm like, and every time I write them back and I say, now you're not going to convince me because these are tied into knots. These are not, there's no way a horse, every other horse in the pasture, when, when, when my horse, had his mane braided. Every other horse in the pasture had a normal mane hanging on their neck. Mm-hmm. No, even if they get, you know, briars and yeah, thistles and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it'll it'll maybe mat the mane a little bit and you have to pull those things out. These are woven together and there's and it's clean. There's no grass in it. It's and so we have two examples in the museum of actual manes that are very intricate. No way that's natural, mm-hmm. but Again, we've not observed Sasquatch doing it. Something goes into the pasture at night, goes up to horses. The horses allow this person or whatever Mm -hmm. to stand there and braid their mane. My horse was um, a fairly calm horse, but he would have been, he he would have stood there while someone tried to do that, but he would had his head up and down constantly to feed. You would have been trying to, you know, Whatever is doing this is getting these horses to stand still long enough to do these intricate braids mm-hmm. always the same way. Just like the trees, the braids are always the same way. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Well, going back to what you said earlier, I mean, given the 
seven, eight, nine hundred pound, right? You know, and the strength of these things to do what we've been talking about. Why aren't they aggressive? Why wouldn't why wouldn't some human have some encounter where they get killed? Well, I think or? it's happened. I think if you have a violent encounter with Sasquatch, more than likely you're not going to survive it. So no one's ever going to hear the story. Mm-hmm. And people, thousands of people, have disappeared in this country in national parks and national forests. So. And never found. Bodies never found. Or they're found miles from where they went missing. And it's interesting because in those cases, very often the cause of death is not described. It says the cause of death was consistent with where they were found. And in many cases, their bodies had to be recovered by helicopter. They were so remote. Mm -hmm. And um, blunt trauma kind of injuries, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. But... um, there's in the books that we sell, there's a story of a man who was part of the logging crew when they were building Aspen or Vale. I can't remember which they stayed in the camp out in where they were logging and they captured this logging crew captured a young Sasquatch that had been stealing food from their stores. Mm. And, uh, and they put it in a shed. The foreman was gone at the time. They put it in a shed, put some large logs against the door and this thing was screaming and screaming and screaming. And they they decided they would post somebody on watch through the night till the foreman got back. And this guy, unfortunately, had the first watch, I guess. And around 10 o'clock, the, one of the adult Sasquatch came around the corner. He called it the big ape in the story. Slapped the logs out of the way like they were nothing. Grabbed him, pulled his arm off at the elbow, and then threw him against the shed and knocked him cold. And the story was told... Um, a group of people in a bar in Boulder were talking and they got talking about Sasquatch and this old man was there. He's in his 70s or 80s now, missing an arm. And the woman who recounted the story said it was crudely repaired. You could tell it wasn't a hospital amputation. Hmm. And I guess the doctor in the camp kept him from bleeding out. But yeah, they can be violent, certainly with provocation, Hmm. as would have been the case there. But um I've got more than one story of people encountering them where they've been violent and actually killed people, um, mm. which would be easy for them. Oh, you would think so. So, yeah. um, and I think the National Parks Organization and the government know that they're there. They know that they're in the national parks. There's a poster there you should look at where the U.S. Forest Service is actually tracking mm. them in some cases, mm. um, keeping a database. But they they do not make that information public. And so my the only reason I can come up with is money, that it would be a financial, um, they would take a financial hit if people thought, it's like, I call it the Jaws effect. Mm-hmm. When the movie Jaws came out, beach resorts were empty that summer. They lost billions of dollars because right? nobody would go swimming in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And that was a movie about a, a shark, you know, that, yeah. yeah, it was, it was a huge hit on the tourist industry. Well, the same would be true in national parks. If people thought, or just in the national forest, there's these creatures that potentially could take me mm-hmm. or kill me. Um, people aren't going to go hiking in national parks, you totally. know? And so that information I think is just kept under wraps. Um, but there's enough evidence out there that says that the, that the government knows that they're there. Mm. They're just choosing not to, make that public. Mm, I love it. 
Well, uh, I definitely want to check these things out. But if yeah. someone were, again, hearing this for the first time and being skeptical, but like, okay, interesting, where would you kind of nudge someone just to start learning a little bit more? Well, come here, yeah. for one. If yeah. they're anywhere in Colorado or if they're coming to Colorado, make a stop in Bailey. Absolutely. Uh, we have a lot of evidence in the museum. But um, there's there's huge, huge volumes of research that have been done Particularly on YouTube, you'll see mm-hmm. um, scores and scores of, of videos. Many of them, I believe, are credible of, of Bigfoot on video, uh, of, of people who have done the plaster cast, have done recorded the vocalizations. Um, I think there's there's a few people that I consider um, authorities. Um, one's name is escaping me. David Politis is one. He's spoken at length about Sasquatch. There's a guy in Canada who has a show called How to Hunt. It's a hunting show, but he started to get into Bigfoot. Hmm. Scott, I think his name is, but I don't remember his last name. Mm-hmm. Very credible guy. Had a hunting show before, long before he ever got into the Bigfoot theme. But, hmm. um, but he's very credible. Um, Les Stroud, Survivor Man, uh, has a whole series on Bigfoot. Yep, I think I've seen some of that. Les Stroud is a believer. He may not say that publicly, but he is. Yep. So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of evidence out there, more than enough if someone is curious enough. To, what I find with many skeptics is they want to remain skeptical and they don't actually want to go look and do research. Right. right so right. Uh, we're, I can't go anywhere with that. You right. know, If you're willing to go do some research, then we can talk. But um, if you just want to sit back and say, well, there's no way they can exist because they can't exist, I beg to differ, and I think the evidence would show that to be yeah, the case. right. right. Now, uh, you take take uh, expeditions out. We do. Out. Um, and we sometimes schedule those ahead of time and, and put um, put it on our website. And people can sign up. Uh, mostly it's just by appointment mm-hmm. now. Uh, we have a, a Bigfoot Adventure Weekend in August. We did our first one last August. We're doing another one this coming August here in Bailey. Cool. Camping um, and going out and searching for Sasquatch and we had quite a bit happen last year. So wow. it was, it was a lot of fun. That's super fun. So people can just find out. On yeah. The they website. can find out on our website, sasquatchoutpost.com um, or bigfootadventureweekends.com for that particular event. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, once we, once we get that uh, registration going, people need to sign up because I'm sure we're going to sell out awesome. very quickly. Yep. Yep. I would imagine too. And you have your own podcast. We have our own podcast called you don't know Squatch. Mm-hmm. And my co-host is a skeptic. His name is Josh. So we go back and forth a lot, but we do a lot of interviews of eyewitnesses. We, we re- review Bigfoot movies that I love to destroy because they're so bad. <laughs> right. Um, we talk about Bigfoot in the news, the latest thing. We talk about some research that we're doing. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's we try to have a lot of fun with it, and um, we don't take ourselves too seriously yeah. in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, My, mine neither. Uh, for anyone who listens r- routinely, but this has been fascinating. Well, I, good. I, I certainly hope that this is something that we do many more times. Cause well, I really let's hope so. A believer, and and I just I'm fascinated by it, and I think it's hard to believe that. Uh, there isn't something out there, but I do, I think, you know, just in the couple of elk hunts that I've done, I've been just blown away with the fact that they're so large. Yeah. Um, and yet 
I've smelled them. I've seen yeah. proof of the round. I've not seen You've not one. seen one in the wild, yeah. I've not even pulled the trigger yet because I have not yet seen one, and yet they're all over the place. Yeah. Right? That's so if Elf great example. That, right? Then why couldn't something like this? Sure. You know? Sure. So, especially yeah. something that's very intelligent. Yeah. Elk, elk are not that intelligent. Right. So. And yet they elude us right. still. It's amazing so. how, how, how cool it is. So, well, thank you again for the opportunity. You're welcome. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, just through your website? Yeah, website's the best way. There's a contact form on the website. And uh, we'd love to correspond with anyone who's got questions or comments or wants to argue with me. That's fine. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you guys for listening. As always, feel free to, uh, to chime in or shoot me a, a DM as I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. And if you're in Colorado... Hit me up. Let's uh, let's come check out the, the museum together here at the Sasquatch Outpost. So until next time, have a great day. We'll talk soon. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash coach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.